everyone to another edition of Pro and Dialogue. My name is Danny Servick and it is great to be back. Uh, after a 30 second timeout that extended to a full, that then extended to several months of uh, just taking a little pause of just trying to get through uh, as everyone was dealing with um, COVID and all of the changes in our lives that uh, we had to, to, to go through. And uh, being fortunate enough to, to where, where I live in the Southeast to, for our kids to at least have a chance to play and compete, uh, albeit to empty gyms or limited gyms uh, versus where other places in the country they weren't. And, um, but I had been, as things, as we're getting closer to, to kind of hopefully turning the page and having some reentry and having kind of what the new normal is, um, had been looking for for an opportunity to get motivated to 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 crank back up. Uh, I guess the official season two, uh, and little did I know that uh, a binge watch of a Netflix documentary show uh, would do that, but it did. And um, as probably a lot of basketball fans uh, were excited when when that incredible docu series uh, that Netflix does, Last Chance You which it had, I guess, five years with, with football programs, shifted to the hardwood. Um, was excited back in, in early March when it came out and uh, just uh, after kind of watching all of, I guess, all 10 episodes in a couple days, um, was totally motivated and, like, I really had to meet Coach Mosley and I had to find out uh, about him. And so it could not... Uh, express my uh happiness that was able to to uh spend some time with him and just learn more about him obviously the show can kind of go through and it's such a great storytelling and, and narrative that they do on the players and him but it wanted to just to learn a, learn a little bit about more him and i thought there were some really good lessons uh for a lot of coaches um to learn from uh rather than just kind of watching on the show and thinking they would have done this or done that and i think it i think it's a great teaching point and it but it's just a great uh uh visit with with coach uh we get to talk a little of our nei days we overlapped a little bit but uh it's just really good basketball really excited to be back behind the mic to uh to share stories and to share uh great people in their in their path in the sport so uh put your uh put your phone on silent uh turn up the volume really loud and kind of open up the ears and hope you enjoy the visit with Coach Mosley. I, I can't say enough how excited I am to, uh, to have you join uh, the podcast. I um, had a blast doing this my first season and when, when COVID came, I did a couple episodes uh, with one of my NBA assistant coach friends, then had the great Rebecca Lobon, and it just kind of felt 
I didn't want to get on and talk about stuff when the world was kind of stuck and we didn't really know. And I uh, could not have been happier when your episode came on uh, or your, your season came on and just kind of binge watched the thing in two days. And uh, when the final episode ended and I was in full tears crying <laughs> after watching it, I went to the East LAC, a directory found your email, wrote you and just, you know, uh, I can't, uh, can't begin enough to say how excited I am to, to learn about you and just so uh, thank you for joining me. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you this, you're not the only, um, guy to to cry you know what's funny is i i think i put out there that i literally cried watching myself cry <laughs> it was just interesting yeah so i thought that was i thought that was funny i literally cried watching myself cry but the the outpouring you know i think uh the guys myself we were authentic and i didn't know if i was going to be entertaining i just said i told them they when they approached me they said hey we want to do this with you and I said, you know what? I don't know if I'm gonna be that uh, that entertaining. Those other guys were very entertaining, and they were. And so I was like, I don't know if I can do it. Uh, but I think just being uh, authentic, and I think it resonated with others. And you know, I didn't try to put on a show. I, initially, I was trying to, you know, my wife was like, no, this is not our house. We're renting this house. We don't want to be here. And and then you know, everything, nothing worked out. We, we didn't have a choice but to be authentic. So I thought it was interesting. And, you know, you get so busy, and I just stuck with my normal routine that I didn't have time to to fabricate anything, yeah. you know, in terms of basketball or our team. And I, I couldn't fabricate anything because I was so consumed with trying to make sure we win games and, and do the norm um, that eventually we just forgot about the cameras and, and we were ourselves. So I think that that's what resonated with a lot of people. Well, that's – so the the, the, the very first – phrase you use authentic so when after i kind of wiped my tears off and calmed down i was like i gotta find out if this guy's for real or if this was like because i've you know the netflix this this whole docuseries is just one of the best produced things they've done and i love it and i've always you know the football stuff's neat but i always thought basketball would be better because it's a more intimate room you know the personalities are more blended the football guys are so spaced and so when it came on, so the minute it ended, I'm like, I got to find some people that have been in his gym without the cameras, have recruited his players to see if this guy's for real or not. And everybody that I hit uh, were like, he is a thousand percent that way. Because I was like, I'm going to be crushed if I find out that that was totally not him. <laughs> and so I talked to uh, one of my really good friends is Rob Eason, who was the head coach at UAB. And yeah. he's, he's a West Coast guy, and he had he recruited KJ, I think, and maybe some other yeah. guys too through the years. And he was like, "Danny, that is, he that's how he is every day without the camera." So when I got that, I was like, "Oh yeah, I, I got to start down that." How, how I, I just have a couple of the series questions, and then I just want to hear about your journey. How did it even develop to where Netflix is in your gym with you guys? Because there's so many interesting things, and like you can kind of give a very short story of how that even came about. Yeah, you know, it was just a cold call, man, and I, I don't know. I think they were looking for uh, – I don't know what they were looking for, and I didn't know if I could provide it. And, um, so it was just a cold call, and then my uh, my athletic director, which I talked to, he's a football coach too, so he said, yeah, man, you got to do it. And then once I decided to do it, he was like, yeah, I probably would have never did it. <laughs> but, uh, but so he was like, he got me – uh, it kind of talked me into it. Uh, but really the deciding factor, good friend of mine, 
I'm in Texas. We're at this. We're actually at Mullins Showcase, and I got Malik Muhammad there, and friend of mine, Quincy Brewer, San Bernardino Valley coach. He actually has a player there. We're just sitting there talking. We're great friends. And I share with him because I kind of was keeping it a secret. And I share with him like, hey, I got this opportunity. What do you think? He's like, dude, you got to do it. And I'm like, what? You know, because initially I'm thinking like, yeah, I don't want to be exposed. I don't want all these cameras. I was like, you know what? I've gotten over myself. You know, when I was in, in, in my 20s or in my teens, oh, yeah, cameras all day. Let's go. You know, I was even trying to act. I, I did some 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 extra roles. I did music videos, you know, back with some hip hop and, and R&B stuff. And I was just all into that world, you know, being here from L.A. But then I've kind of gotten over myself and I'm like, you know what? I got my own little family and I'm coaching and I got my own little world and this is I'm enjoying this and I'm, 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 I'm happy. Um, so when they were asking me to do it, I'm like, I'm not sure. Um, and my buddy said, no, you got to do it, dude. I, I immediately walk out the gym. And when I walk out, I said, let me call my pastor. This is literally 10 minutes later. I'm assuming, you know, as a believer, as a Christian, that he's going to say, no, you know, we want to make sure we serve, you know, in, in silence so that we can be rewarded openly. We don't want to be on this, you know, stage where we can be exposed, our faith. And, you know, and I'm thinking like, well, shoot, what if I get, you know, say something or do something to get fired? And he's like, nah you know, you predestined and don't worry about it. So it was actually my pastor, the final one that, that, that kind of wow. convinced me. I'm like, wow, that was a surprise mm-hmm. for him to say it, you know? And I think it, it actually, uh, you know, I think it was supposed to be, and just credit to them. I think what was told to me was, Hey, it's going to be a mirror of who you are. And I was like, are you sure? Because I'm a little, a little weird in the sense that I'm like kind of high intensity, but I try to live out uh, a life with integrity and, and with faith. And I try to intertwine it with the players. And then at the same time, I'm kind of from the hood. So my wife gets on me. My wife is still upset with me because she's like, no, man, you didn't articulate well when you spoke here or there. So she's a teacher and she's just like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. Look at how you talk. I said, well, I'm from LA. Like, what am I supposed to do? Uh, you know? So, uh, but all of it, yeah, was, was, was kind of real. And I, I didn't, Think, I mean, we're mid, the midway through, and I was like, "Oh, this show is going to be awful." <laughs> you know, like they don't have, I was like, they don't have any content. I was like, they don't have any content on me. You know, yeah. I was like, I don't know what they're going to do. I was like, I feel bad. I was starting to feel bad. Like I don't know. Uh, man. I don't think it's going to be any good. You know, it's just well, they I, did a great job. No, they yeah. did, and I, I want to come back in a little bit on the face stuff because that that is that that is a uh, a part with with I help run a, a a a club that plays on the Under Armour National Circuit, and we. Um, partner with stuff with FCA, and it's a thing that's important to us. And and but I and that was one of the things that really resonated from watching the show is how 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 important it is in your life. And I love that. But be, be, but before that, so I always like to start kind of um, with each guest and have them just tell a little bit about how they fell in love with the sport, how they got to it. And I'll I'll interject this and then kind of get out of the way. So as the show was going on. Uh, and watching it when I when I found out and they talked about how you played at the Masters College. So um, a quick 30 seconds on my background. I, I signed at McNeese State down in Lake Charles and played there in, for two years. And then I transferred back to Birmingham Southern College and played there in 91, 92, 92, 93 for the great Dwayne Rebull. And so they won the National Tiny in 90 and then they won it in 95, which we'll come back. Now, you, I, you can see where I'm going with this probably. And so 
back in those days that the NEI was a powerhouse. I don't think people understand how tremendous it was. And when you would go to the national tournament every year, you would see those West Coast teams, the Masters College, Azusa Pacific, all those. And so when I saw that, and then I started kind of doing a little checking of when you played, I was like, you played with Penberthy. And then uh, when I finished in 93, so you guys lost to Belmont in the Elite Eight. And I've had Coach Bird on the podcast before, who um, is just the best. And so their superstar post guy was one of my teammates at Southern, Al Allen, the big strong post guy. And so, oh it, yeah, it's, I remember him. <laughs> yeah, and so he's it, it. You know, it. That's one of the cool things about this sport and the journey and how everybody kind of follows their own path. But it's so interconnected. And so, when I started doing the deep dive on the show about just you and your plane and did and I, so then it really when it kind of filled in the blanks of the other. So just I know they talk a little bit about on the show, but just kind of talk a little bit about how the sport came in love with that and then how you ended up uh, playing at the master's college and just some of your reflections of that. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so for that, when you talk about Belmont, man, I remember that game. So they beat us. They were number one and I forgot what seat we were, but they were the number one seat and we played them in the elite eight and they looked unbeatable and, but they beat us. But I'll tell you what, they lost the next game. And I think part of it is because we wore them the heck yeah. out. And they, uh, well, they lost, they lost to Southern. They lost to my alma mater. That's who got them. And then yeah. Southern ended up beating Pfeiffer in the championship game. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I remember that very clearly. It's, it's interesting how we remember those moments. And I'll tell you what, man, basketball, NAI, it was, they, it was a culture. It was an NAI culture of phenomenal basketball coaches. And all of those NAI schools that are back uh, east and, you know, uh, all of those schools, man, have phenomenal coaches with Don Myers, with Lipscomb, yep. and yep. the Belmonts. And then uh, what's the – I mean, the Belmont, did he just retire? Yeah, or? he just did a couple years ago. And then so Casey Alexander, who played for him, uh, who was at Lipscomb, and then came in and took his job. But this was just, I think, Casey's maybe second season. And so, yeah, Coach Bird just retired. Oh man, and it, and and uh, it, and then it goes all the way up to I was coaching there as well, and then I remember Life University out of Georgia yes, had a yes, run, and yes. uh, it was at its best. And then I, I just think I, I don't know what happened. A lot of the small private schools, I loved it because a lot of the small private schools had coaches that were lifers, you know. Yeah. So you had those lifer coaches who were great coaches who had 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 a taste of the spotlight and said, you know what, I just want to go somewhere where I can coach. And so you had a lot of lifers and I played for a legend in Bill Oates and he had almost a thousand wins and his uh, mentor was John Wooden. So wow. I do all the, the UCLA stuff, you yeah. know, and so I'm, I'm glad you're getting me fired up now because, <laughs> uh, you know, everybody's, you know, we talk about the show and we talk about, you know, some of the characters in the show and what happened and how do we get through it and uh, you know, and little do we talk about like, Hey, we're 29 and one. We, yeah. you know, it's not, Hey, we run stuff too. You know, <laughs> hey, you know, uh, I think the assumption is, and, and, you know, you gotta, you gotta be, um, uh, you know, you gotta be, have, have some reasonable amount of, of, of structure. Yeah. If you're going to be 29 and one, we had a great team, but, um, those were great times, man. And, and I tell the players right now that I have a lot of guys with NAI. They, it, you know, what used to bother me was when they put it down. They would they would say, "Okay, here are the levels: Division One. Yes. You got mid 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 major. Uh, you would have high major, mid major, low major, and then they would put Division Two, and then they would put 
like D3 NAI. And I'm like, no. (laughs) And when I was playing, we beat the majority of the Division IIs when I was playing. Yes. Uh, And then it kind of got watered down. Some of the the top NAIs, they moved over to Division I. Uh, or they moved over to Division II NCAA, yeah. and so we we lost some of the you know the momentum. But in the mid '90s, man, when I was playing, I went uh, to Masters College from uh, from '93 to '96 or '94 to '96. Man, you talking about some of the best basketball and all of the local Division Twos we would beat. Yeah. We beat those teams, um, and then the battles was against Azusa and Biola, Point Loma and Westmont, yep. and uh, it was just amazing. And now we have the NAIs that are up now. They're the NAIs that were they were Division twos or you know National Christian College yeah. Association, and they've moved up. And you know it's gotten tough. So I'm glad you mentioned that. That the, the '90s, man, those were some great times for NAI basketball. Uh, and, and of course, everybody moved over. Um, how I ended up at the Masters, man, I was at uh, actually came from East LA College. I was an All State honorable mention player, which that's out of a hundred or at the time, maybe 90 schools to be an All-State player. Um, I led California in assist. You know, being in L.A., I was a Magic Johnson fan. So, uh, but, but I transferred from East L.A. College. Uh, prior, from East, prior to East L.A. College, I, uh, I uh, was at Washington High School. It was an inner-city school, and we actually had a good team then. That's when the city, you know, I'm dating myself, man, when I talk about <laughs> basketball and where basketball was when I was playing. In the mm-hmm. city, that's when Crenshaw High School was, you know, back in the day when Crenshaw was the number one team in the world, when they would rank them as number one in the world in the mid-80s and 70s. And they just had legendary players like Marcus Johnson and, you know, a lot of great players that came out of Crenshaw High School. Um, and then the city teams were good. Your Westchesters and Washington High School, Dorsey, Fremont. All of the players were in the L.A. city, the greater L.A., uh, LA city schools. And then now, of course, as we see across the country, all of the great players, they move out and they go to, you know, they go to private school, Catholic schools, Christian schools, they go to academies. They just go to basketball factories now, you know, Mm -hmm. uh, what happened to the days where we walked outside our door five minutes to to school, you know, go to, go to our traditional high school. So I went to my traditional high school and everybody there at the time we were, we're a top five in the state, one of the highest ranked teams in our school's history. And then we were actually top 25 in the country. We had several guys that go division one off of our team. And and we had lost in the city championship because all of the best players, the teams, it was like we were all in the same city and we just beat up on each other. And then it was always Crenshaw or Manuel or one of those teams going to the state championship. So we never got to see all of the great basketball come out of L.A. because we beat up on each other. And then the one team from L.A. would go play the northern team like a Bishop O'Dowd or something or, you know, a Jason Kidd at St. Joseph's. Uh, And and we would play the up north team for the state title. And so, uh, you know, but but I came from a pedigree of good basketball when the city was at the at the highest in the in the late 80s and the in the mid 90s. And then went on to East L.A. Um, and out of East L.A. had a division, a couple of Division One opportunities. And you, you know how it's like you're right on the fence where you're a Division One player, D2 player. So I had opportunities. I'd go on some uh, unofficial visits, and then I didn't get uh, the academics done. So I fall into the JUCO. I'm truly a JUCO product. Yeah. And 
and I, after junior college and then the master's colleges recruiting me and I was kind of in the face somewhat. Um, but I was like, Oh, and that's why they kind of recruited me. They was like, okay, he's a good player. And we know that he's a believer. And I was like, man, I'm not going there, man. I'm a <laughs> NBA player, you know, like who do you think I am? But that's just what God wanted. And that's what it, how it turned out. All the doors closed. And I was like, well, I'm going to just do this and I'll go to the NBA from here. You know, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll be Scotty Pippen. I'll be that. Yeah. And I ended up going to master's college and it I was the best thing that ever happened to me. I wouldn't be a coach. I wouldn't be married because it changed my thought process on life and my faith. It helped my faith grow. Um, it helped me understand that I wanted to be married. You know, I didn't want to be single and, you know, and all that. It helped me understand um, as a believer, my faith a little bit more. I went on a missions trip, as I talked about, where God isolated me, where I could, you know, where I had to study his word and, and I grew tremendously. This is even after um, I, I left the master's college. And then it, it took me to a point where um, I, I coach Oates, Bill Oates, my uh, head coach, he, uh, that was at the master's college at the time. And he's, he's a legend in his own right. Coach mm-hmm. at St. Mary's. He was yeah. with Campus Crusades for Christ. Totally remember that. Group. Yes, yes. Yeah, Campus Crusades for Christ. Athletes in Action. Now, Athletes in Action, they led – uh, the country in regards to the amateur team, they were the best amateur team in America. I think in the mid to early seventies, they represented the United States in the world games and they won the world games a couple times. Well, well, John Wooden was the color commentator for the athletes in action and campus crusades for Christ after he had retired, Bill Oates and him became good friends. So Bill Oates does everything that John Wooden does wow. all the way down to the practice. And wow. still to this day, literally 80% of my practices is John Wooden. I run the high post offense. Yeah. Um, and I do all of that. Uh, all of my principles, um, my practice principles, if guys come in my practice, you'll see, you know, um, and so he had a chance to, he would go to breakfast with Wooden like once a week. And I'd be like, take me, <laughs> you know, and I could only get like a breakfast once or yeah. once a year, you know, maybe. So I've, I've had a chance to sit with him and eat with him, had dinner and, and maybe about, uh, about four times in my, in, in, in that eight year span that, um, that John Wooden and him were close friends. And so that's kind of my pedigree. Nice. Um, Bill, Bill Oates, uh, coached at St. Mary's university and he, before Randy Bennett had the most wins in school history, uh, and uh, you know they won the the, the West Coast uh, conference. I mean, think back yep. it was the yep. early '80s and, and stuff like that. So, so yeah, that's kind of the pedigree. Got to Masters, and you know it was the best thing that happened for me. And we had a phenomenal team the two the two years I was there. We had Mike Pemberthy, um, who played with the Lakers. Yep. Six of us went to play professional. How about I that? had my cousin James Mosley. He went and he played with the Cavaliers for you know, and then he got cut and he played overseas. But heck, he still made a roster yes, he for. Did. A moment, a ten ten day contract or whatever, um, and we had several to play over in Brazil and just all that, and uh, so it was an amazing run, man. Uh, grateful for how God directed my life and wouldn't have changed anything one bit. So that's no, you played in Australia, right? And, and, or I remember reading something in yeah, your notes. So that- yeah, so there was a uh, friend of mine named Isaac Burton. He was over there playing for the Sydney Kings. And yeah, so I remember that. Too. I went over there. Yeah, played for the Sydney Kings. And what's interesting, I go over there at the time when uh, when uh, the Dream Team had just finished playing, and Shane Hill, he had got into it, I believe, with uh, 
he got into it with uh, Charles Barkley. Yeah. And so he was famous over there. So Shane Hill plays on the team with Isaac Burton, Ice Burton. And I'm over there, and I play um, with the Sydney Comets. It was kind of like a CBA team, and I played with uh, the Sutherland Sharks. Yeah. So the Sutherland Sharks was a state league team and the Sydney Kings for a little bit. So I was playing with those teams over there. Uh, and just kind of over there and, and got a chance to just see that and do that. So I wasn't at the NBL, the top level, but was able to do that and, and spend time over there after I left Brazil. So my buddy called me and he said, you know, Isaac Burton's like, man, what's up, man? What you doing? And I was like, oh, nothing. He said, man, I'm over here by myself, man. None of the homies got passports. I said, man, I just came from Brazil. I got a passport. And so, um, so I was like, he was like, man, you know, when got you got it and so I flew over there with him and and we had a great time and got a chance to do that and and then that's when my when I came back I was going to go back to Australia um it was going to be for a little CBA you know contract and my the Bill Oates that's when Bill Oates said I I was talking with him and said yeah I'm going to go back he said what well, did you I said I have one more class to finish he said you need to come with me and you need to finish the class, and I'll pay for it. And so I'm like, all right. So as I started with him, I was like, well, i got to finish out the year. And so I kind of missed the boat on going back to Australia to, mm -hmm. to play in those, those uh, CBA league and, yeah. and the, or the state, state league. And that's when it happened. That's when I kind of was like I saw it from the coach's perspective. I was like, that's why he did all that. That's why coach was so weird or whatever. You know, everybody <laughs> thinks we're weird. And he was like, that's why he would do that. And I kind of fell in love with – the, the strategy and the psychology of it. Yeah. You know, we kind of know all of the detail. We know how to tell the kids to do a jump stop and a chest pass. And we know all the plays. We know all of that. But the psychology, the science by behind the process, we're putting it all together. Um, I had a greater appreciation as I sat in those offices. And as I'm hearing this head coach who, you know, coach head coaches are semi-enemies. You know, you're like, you know, you're like thinking they – you know, they discipline you, they tell you all that. But all of a sudden, I'm hearing the basketball, I'm hearing the team version through the head coach. And I'm like, man, he really loves these guys. He really wants these guys to be successful. But he kind of has to put on this kind of a front yeah. and, you know, you know, let these guys know and set a standard. He's got to set a standard. Mm -hmm. And that, <clears throat> that's what we have to do as coaches. We've got to set a standard. And sometimes it breaks our heart the way we have to put the standard up because we want to be buddy, buddy, we want to be whatever, but we can't do it because we have to be, you know, it's like good cop, bad cop. Yeah. And so when I saw that, I kind of fell in love with, I saw the process and how he would piece together the season and how, why he would do things when he would do it. And I was like, Oh man, that's fun to put it all together and know that it's going to end up successful. Like I, I can remember he would do some sabotagement. You know, he would sabotage early to create some adversity, yeah. just small ways to sabotage because you say, okay, we can't peak too early. Let me sabotage it right now so we can <laughs> peak a little bit later. And so things like that is what drew me like, wow, I get it. Yeah. And I, I saw that I was a good recruiter. You know, I was mm -hmm. saying, coach, I'm going to go and I, and I wasn't making any money. I was just taking the class and I was working at a warehouse and I saw that I was uh that I can recruit too, you know, I had a good mouthpiece. I would go in there and, and I recruited a couple of players and then he ends up hiring me and then I get married and then that's my career. Mm -hmm. And I stayed with him for eight years and then I moved to Cal State Bakersfield, which is division one, you know, transition to division one program. And, 
and uh and then it, it went from there and yeah. then decided I want to be a head coach and and wanted to be home a little bit more and that's why I'm here at at East LA College you know now teaching so yeah. which gives me a good salary so um, God, he kind of orchestrated it. God is sovereign, man. Yeah, uh, uh, wouldn't want it any different. I t- yeah. uh, so um, one of the there's a couple things throughout throughout the show and in, in, in that really kind of spoke to me. And one of the uh, the first ones was that, and that was because you know you talk a little bit about how you just retired of being in a hotel room and out away from your kids and your family and everything. And so the uh, the the scene where you're in the weight room talking to the to the kids about um, just the sacrifices and they were kind of jacking around after the game and do whatever and you're just talking about you're missing your boys game and it's it, it just kind of was like that was that was a little bit where in my own path uh, as an agent I was traveling all over the world and seeing everybody else play and as my I have two boys an eleventh grader and an eighth grader. I just kind of, it started getting on my heart. Like I didn't want to live through having my wife send videos of their games and text messages mm-hmm. and watching other people. And so that was one of the really big jumping off points. And I thought it, it really just kind of, that's, you know, going back to the earlier part about being authentic. I mean, that's, that, that was mm-hmm. you. And you talked about, and, and the show did a great job kind of talking about how you left from being an assistant at Cal State Bakersfield and coming back for the stipend for, I think it was 15,000, whatever it was. And just in coaching the team, um, yeah. but you wanted to be there. And then for all that you're pouring into those kids, uh, I thought was just tremendous. And that really, really, that was one of the, the big kind of pivotal points of the show for me, because it, yeah. it, it kind of spoke to me of, of, of what I did, uh, in my, in my own little lane. So I thought that yeah. was tremendous. And, it, and that's our job. It, it, it's all, and I clear it up because some people, you know, they make comments, well, that's your job anyway. Well, yeah, it's my job, but it's still a sacrifice that I'm making. Sure. We're all making it. So as the players, it's your job, too, to do what you need to do to move forward. So mm-hmm. I, the point is you're mad at me for for being re- really detailed about your future. So that's a fine detail to say, hey, it's not about let's just do it so we can act like I was saying, so I can act like I'm crazy and we're the toughest team in the world. No, that's strategic to lift after a game. The NBA players do it yep. to, to maintain our strength and conditioning to be able to do it right after the game. There's not many people. They want to say, hey, good game, let's go home. Well, to maintain your strength, if you want to get two, three, or even four days of lifting in during the week while you have a season – you got to be strategic if you want to stay strong and physically, physically and mentally tough. And so that was the point is like everybody's complaining here because we're lifting afterwards. It's like it just takes 15 minutes right after the game. Like, dude, <laughs> you're already warm. And I was just speaking with was crazy. Steph Curry, his uh, uh, trainer had called me and he had congratulated me. Um, you know, Brandon Payne, he congratulated me, congratulated me. And he was saying what you did, you know, in terms of the lifting, he said that is 100% on point in terms of what the NBA players do and everything. And so let me explain that to my players. They're like, no, I'm going to go home. Like, go home and do what? Sit on Instagram? Like, what are you going to do? You know? (laughs) Uh, So, yeah, but the point was, yeah, we're making a commitment. And you're mad because we're being even more detailed with our commitment committed to you. Mm Um, so yeah, it, it is my job, but heck, I could have ran home and watched the end of his game. Sure, no doubt. Know, so, yeah. uh, so let let me because I, I a lot of coaches, um, young coaches, listen to this, and 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 I think a one of the great teaching points 
um, that was also as I was watching the show that I was just totally blown away with. And I know what, and you probably were the same way when you were a younger coach and younger, Mm -hmm. you would have been like, let me throw Joe off the team a million times. Let me cuss him out. Mm -hmm. Let me do, but like the word that just kept coming back to me was just your patience and like, and Mm -hmm. you understanding these kids background, like, like I had, I was, uh, some of my friends, I was leading up this week to let him know that we we're going to visit. He's like, yeah, just find out how he didn't cuss him out. Like find out how he didn't like yell him and kick him off the team. And, do, and I was like, no, that's not, you're missing the point of what this, I think what this guy is about and how he is and knowing what his, his job job is to try to get these kids, you know, this is their one chance to kind of get back yeah. to that. So can you just talk a, a few minutes about just, you know, I'm sure your faith has a lot to do with how you're able to stay in the moment, but him just, like walking off the court with college coaches in there watching him and how you just kept such an even keel line with not just him, but with Deshaun and some of the other guys. Yeah. Let me sum it up this way. And, and the, the, I got a message. We played a team twice. I got a message from a particular uh, person uh, or it wasn't necessarily an administrator, but someone that was involved with a program of of a team of an opponent he sends me a message and tells me how inappropriate and how this person needs help uh and he is a problem and he was talking about Deshaun because he saw he he saw Deshaun how he, he how his his uh response to adversity his response to the officials how he would swear and how he was kind of a little bit arrogant, but at the same time, he was a jerk and not really knowing where all of that comes from. Mm-hmm. And I'm pretty sure now I don't have to send a message back for him to maybe or her to feel convicted about what they thought of Deshaun after seeing his story and seeing what he actually was going through. And it was just almost a miracle to get him there every day. Not only was he going through that, but he's driving an hour and a half. So Riverside is literally probably 45 minutes away from East L.A. College, okay, where he lived. Of course, this is California. This is L.A., Southern California traffic. Took him an hour and a half, sometimes two hours to drive back and forth every day. We will go six days a week. The commitment just to do that alone will put a hair up your butt. You know what I'm saying? So for him to come in and commit to do that, he lost his mom. He doesn't have anybody. Um I mean, think about it. You're on the. He's on the. He's not being recruited like he wants to be recruited. He's trying to be the leader of the team. And it, you think about all of those variables. And of course, when you look at him on the outside, you say, "Man, this kid is a jerk. This kid. If I had him on my team, I would kick him off my team. Why does Coach Mosley let him act like that? Well, I told him he's mine forever. And if I can just get him through, and now he's doing a great job at Sac State. Yeah. The same thing with Joe Hampton. And the reason why I mention these guys because. These are guys that I know exactly the details of sure. what they were going through, what was going on in their lives, you know. And so it, did I yell at them? And they showed a couple times where I did get sure. on. You know, I got on Deshaun, and I got, I got on them the whole time. I got on everyone equally. Yep. And, and there was there times where I just said, you know what, I'm not going to say anything to Joe because I can tell he's not in a good space, and, and he needs me just to let him act out. And I'm not asking everybody to do it. So everybody, there's a lot of people that ask me, but I'm not asking anybody to do it. I'm just saying, if you're in my position and you want to do this, then you, you have to dig deeper into what is going on in their lives. And that, that's no different than 
I don't care, man. You could be live in the valley, in the suburbs of whatever. And, and if a kid is acting out, I mean, you can have a spoiled kid with two parent home and he's, but there's something going on. Yeah. Is there is, is, are the parents on the verge of a divorce or there's a whole lot that's going on. And there's 15 guys that I had dealing with that stuff. Yeah. You know, it can look good on the outside, but you got to talk to them and see what's going on. Because guess what? If each player now, now for me, I don't want anybody on the team that doesn't have goals. So that's, that's one thing. Like if you don't aspire to get a scholarship, then I have no care to dangle. So I don't even have to worry about that, mm-hmm. you know, because if there's no care to dangle, then I'm probably going to say, you know what, this is probably not the right fit because it's going to be hard for me to get you to fight. And it's going to be hard for me to keep you accountable. I can't keep you accountable if you want to just come to East LA College and play and that's it. No, I want you to want something, you know, whether it's playing time, scholarships and all that. I want you to want something. And if you want something, then, then now I got this carrot and I can always hold you to that. And so Deshaun and Joe and all these players, they want something. So why would they sabotage it? Yeah. They're not trying to sabotage their opportunity. It's just they don't know how to respond to adversity, and that's what I share with, with several people. So they say a lot of people may give up on them quick. and It's like, oh, okay, that's what you want to do? All right, you're out of here. You're kicked off the team. Well, they didn't want to sabotage the opportunity to play basketball and get a scholarship. They just didn't know how to respond mm-hmm. because they was never taught. You know, what happened to them when they were five, six, seven, eight years old? And so that's what I – now – you got to have a support system too. Sure. So there were several times that Coach Rob said, "Hey, Coach, man, look, I go talk to Joe. Coach Hunter, I go talk to Joe." Because like when Joe walked out, I'm like, "Oh well, he walked out. That's <laughs> that's his opportunity." Yeah. Coach Ken and all of us, we feel we feel you know we share that same mission, and that's important too as coaches. Make sure you have people around you who you share the same vision, so that if you ever get off track, they can. They can they can uh, they can help you get back on track, and that's that's what happened uh, on on occasions. Myself, I have compassion, and then the other coaches as well. They felt the same way, mm-hmm. and uh, so if I if, if I'm slipping up, getting ready to kick everybody out of the gym or whatever, they say, Coach, we probably need to do this, you know. Uh, so yeah, you need a good support system as well to help you stay on track with what your vision is. Yeah, um, and it, it it went out to the wire, man. I I really didn't know. Um, I was praying and hoping, but I mean, it went out to the wire all the way to the summer. And that was the one I was like, gosh, I mean, we went literally down to a, a a couple days to where if Joe was going to get in school at Long Beach state or not. So it went, it was literally, we were in the, beyond the 11th hour with, with getting transcripts turned in, with getting the class posted from the summer because he didn't, you know, well, I don't want to share his personal yeah, no, business of yeah. how he did in the spring, but it carried over in the summer with graduating. And, and then he had already been out of school. So there was a certain amount of units you had to do so that you can, he can play just one year division one, you know, mm-hmm. he, he was only going to have one year division one, and then he would have to go D two. But what I told him is when you come here, he was like, well, coach, I know, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'll just go play pro afterwards. I said, no, no, no. I said, if we do all this, I can still get you. We can still get you out of Division One just for one year, and then you go to Division Two or whatever. He said, you think so? We can do it. I said, yeah, we're going to do it. And so there was a carrot to dangle. Yeah. He wanted to go Division One again after being out of school for two years. In most cases, kids like that just they just say, I'll go to a D2 or barely even a D2 or NAI because of the rules. Sure. And we were able to get him into Division One, and and not only that, some of his legal stuff, it, it was washed away because he completed. We had some agreements there, and 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 so for that matter, that that it was worth it. 
you know. Yeah. Going through it, I was like, dude, I, I, this is exhausting. This is irritating. <laughs> it was exhausting but, to watch sometimes. It was yeah. just like, because you, you would kind of be like, you were kind of like talking like, Joe, like there's like multiple schools right there. What do you, and like, you just know yes. that like, he's not being a jerk doing that on purpose. Like it's, it's in his no. DNA of stuff. And you're, I just, I don't know. I, I think the whole, the, there, there, of course there was a lot of just incredible, like cinematic things that were captured by the show that, um, you know, you know, how COVID like I watching the show and going through this past year that we've all been through, I didn't realize mm-hmm. the timeline of, of of the filming of just seeing that day by day real time with you guys of the bus, the locker room of it, and then but then yeah. also COVID almost made me kind of forget that it, a month before that's when Kobe passed away and being right there in L.A. and so like you captured so yeah. much of that, um, which was just so raw and so real to watch and see. But the this the open the, the biggest takeaway for me from that and 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 just where I became such a big fan of you was understanding every one of the paths of all these kids and how, you know, and they pick which ones they kind of like feature on and do, but like your patience with them, but at the same time, keeping them accountable in their own way. I just, I think, um, so many people think coaching's about X's and O's and it's, it's really about getting the X's to work together and the O's to work together. And to know that you got to know the personalities and their makeup. And you just, it was remarkable. Um, I did, I never liked during the lunch, the last chance seasons, to like check on the players to see where they went. Cause I, I don't want to kind of give it away. And so like when the show wrapped, I went back, like mm-hmm. all your guys, even the ones they hardly didn't even talk about had really good years. Like they all went yeah. on and played in, in the middle of this, they were all in the top quarter, top half of production and all that. And that's just, yeah. I think that was a, a statement to you. And, you know, obviously they were talented, but you also saw that they, they had some dysfunction to them and how you kept that together and, and got them to a better place is crazy i know you got a couple minutes for you got to so what has it been like just in, in like two minutes like not to have a team like you haven't been able to play and like to get through that and now i know we're all kind of praying that we're getting closer to the to the turn of the page hopefully like how have you done dealing through all that and now kind of like the momentum of this into this next season and what that looks like for east la yeah well i, I think our the health of our program because of the show it, it will be you know stable and we had already recruited guys prior to the last chance you coming out. So we still hadn't gained like everybody wants to come. So we got our team and we got commitments from those guys to kind of come back. And the guys that were freshmen, they, they, they still have their, their time to play. It's been really disappointing. And this is, may have been the most frustrating. I understand budget cuts. I understand, you know, the dynamics of uh, campus and administrations and all that. But what I cannot understand is not putting together something to help us engage our student athletes better. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm really disappointed at because after seeing the success and seeing what we really do, um, I think our country has lost uh, the perspective on the, the value of athletics and, and sports. And we've seen it. The NBA is a, in the NFL and pro sports were able to come back and provide entertainment. Um, and, and I think maybe our society thinks that's the only thing, the only value is, is we have this entertainment value, but man, I'm, we're, we're trying to change lives through sports. And, and I think God, I feel like there's been a calling on my life to use this as a vehicle. As I shared, when I went to Brazil, I saw the vehicle of ministry through basketball and then bringing it to, 
to you know learning it through at the Masters College that really you can share your faith through basketball. And with me, I don't press it on anybody. Everybody asks me like, you kind of have this. I was like, yeah, there's a there's a good little balance. I don't you know. I don't really share it unless somebody throws their lifestyle at me and say, okay, thank you. You gave me permission to throw my lifestyle at you. So I don't really throw it at anybody. I don't even, a lot of guys, they just know I live a good life. You know, I just try to live my, live out my faith. But when you, you throw it at me, then I'll throw it at you. So I see the opportunity in this platform to, you know, to, to um, minister and to help young men, not even just minister, but to help young men and the glo- the doors are closed. And I'm like, look, I don't even want to play, man. Just Can we just get in and do a study hall? But we have this politics with unions and, you know, whatever the politics are. And then we got the state politics and we got all this. And then it's like, okay, do we open? We'll open if we get the, the funding, the CARES money or the money for funding. Or we'll stay closed until we bully the, the government to give us money you know, crisis money or it is like all of these politics that it has nothing to do with, with safety. And you know what? I've I've lost the mental health. I mean, it's just, I I can't even go on. I don't, I wouldn't, I don't, it'd be, I'm probably not Liberty to share the uh, catastrophic things that have happened with, with some of the young men that I have that have, you know, it's harmed a handful of these young men. Sure. And what am I to say on Zoom for a whole year? I haven't been able to engage with yeah. with a Joe Hampton. So Joe Hampton's moved on, but think about it. I got four or five Joe Hamptons that I'm on Zoom with. That's Are you right. kidding me? <laughs> you like, seriously? Like, what am I supposed to do? And the black market um, here in California is just messed up. The black market for the gyms. They're charging these kids twenty dollars to go in there for an hour and a half to play, mm-hmm. and so the kids don't don't have money to go play. And um, and right, I understand that those gyms they got to make a living as well, but that's the the gyms that are open. But all of the public gyms that our tax money pays for, they're all closed. And the private market is just you know. So I don't know where we're going. I'm super disappointed uh, with that, yeah. you know. And yeah. the the people that need it support the most i think we're harmed the most and the people who you know it's like to say the rich get richer and the poor get poorer uh it was just tough on on the kids that 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 i that i deal with so it's really tough it's catastrophic and it's disheartening and they almost got me to you know i had to keep praying too man it's just frustrating because i can't do anything yeah this is the first time that i just don't have an answer you know I don't have an answer. What? I can't say, okay, let's run harder, right. let's execute better, or let's study harder, or let's pray. Or it, it, that's all I have was for him. Let's just pray, you know. What's the hope of of when you guys you'll have your next practice and, and get back? Is in, in the fall? Is that what? Is, is, do you have any kind of visibility on that? Yeah. Yet? Well, they just told us that we'll be back next week. So. Okay. But they told us that a month ago. So, <laughs> but they said the, they finally have come to an agreement that we had gotten okay to come back, and that was the battle between because we're in a tier where we can return safely and and participate. But and even our high schools are participating, and that's what's interesting. See, the universities, you know, they're taken care of. In the high school, you have the parents that are engaged. The community college, nobody's talking about them here in California, mm-hmm. and so these kids are are getting the short end of the stick, which is frustrating. But it looks like next week. And so we thank God for that, and we're expected to return fully to participate in the fall, not necessarily full with our classes. I right. mean, even our school and campus are talking about maybe even hybrid or part-time classes 
Um, but we're expected as athletics to go full time and be able to be on campus uh, 100%. Well, that's so awesome. By, by summer and fall, actually. Well, good. Well, listen, I um, you've got a fan down in, in Huntsville, Alabama, uh, and so I, I will be cheering the East LA boys on from afar. And uh, coach, I really, I really appreciate the time. I uh, like I said, I was, I was totally captivated by you, uh, and it only built when some of my friends that, that knew you had recruited you told me that was how you, how you were. And I was just like, I just got to visit. And as a coach, here you go, hit this, the final thing. So like I had kind of been, man, I, I want to do the podcast again, but I'm not, I'm not really motivated. So you, you motivated a 50 year old NAI uh, <laughs> national tournament has been to hop back on the mic and talk basketball. So uh, you're still coaching, yeah. even though you're not on the court. So I, I appreciate you. And I thank you for that. So. Absolutely. Well, I'm glad you picked it back up, man. No. Yeah, we'll see what happens. That yeah. sounds good, Coach. All right, you keep fighting the good fight, good sir, and um, I look forward to uh, seeing your future success, okay? Okay. All right, thanks, okay, Coach. Danny, thanks. All right, take care, sir. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thanks for listening to another edition of Pro and Dialogue, uh, and a special thanks to Netflix um and and in the tremendous John Mosley uh he was everything that i had hoped would be in visiting and and chatting and it just felt like i was watching one of the episodes which i think is the the core fiber of what uh what makes the man so so authentic and so good i hope there are some things that uh you all were able to take away that can help you with your everyday walk uh, whether you're a coach with your team, an individual player, just a parent. Um, I just think some great, great stuff. Um, you can uh, get Pro One Dialogue wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple Podcast, Spotify, Podbean. Um, please subscribe. Please follow. We've got. I, I'm excited to be back and excited to bring um, some more great just influencers, great coaches, uh, and, and people to kind of help as we re-enter life uh, and continue to uh, stay safe, stay healthy and uh, look forward to visiting with you the next time.